Thank you for watching this virtual lecture event hosted by the Institute of World Politics. For those of you who are new, IWP is a graduate school of national security and international affairs. We have five master's degree programs, 18 certificates of study, and a new doctoral program. If you're interested in learning more about us, please visit iwp.edu. This lecture event is part of the 11th Annual Kostushka Chair Spring Symposium in honor of Lady Blanca Rosensteel. This event is sponsored by the Kosciuszko Chair in Polish Studies and the Center for Intermarium Studies. This afternoon, we'll be hearing from Dr. Wojcia Moszynski. Dr. Moszynski is a historian and a researcher at the Institute of National Remembrance in Warsaw, Poland. His research focuses on the history of political and ideological movements in the Second Polish Republic, Polish-Jewish relations, and military history. He is a member of the team to assess requests to recognize opposition activity during the People's Republic of Poland at the Chancellery of the President of the Republic of Poland. Dr. Myszynski, welcome and thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for your interest in my lecture, Bolesław Piasecki's Game for Life. Bolesław Piasecki is regarded as one of the most controversial Polish politicians of the 20th century. A few, a few years ago, at the symposium organized by the Gstuszkocher at the IWP, I had, an, I had an honor of exposing my critical review of one of the newest biography of Piasecki. Now, because I am in the curse uh, of writing of my own pu pu publication on this subject, I would like to show you some of my findings uh, of, uh, of one of the least known episodes of Piasecki's biog 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 biography. His almost eight month stay in a communist prison at the turn of 1944 and 1945 and his encounter with Stalin's regent in occupied Poland, NK, NKVD General Ivan Sierow. This encounter is regarded as very mysterious as well as sensational. It is also considered to be the beginning of Piasecki's agential entanglement and his collaboration uh, with the Soviets. Also, uh, that's... Uh, foundation of his position in the communist Poland. I would like to verify this opinion. Before World War II, Piasecki was a leader of the most extreme political organization in Poland, the so-called Falanga, which organized armed squads. Its, prog its program was mixed of nationalism, populism, anti-communism, and anti-Semitism but it didn't achieve political success. After the outbreak of war in 1939, he considered a collaboration with the German occupier, but quick, quickly rejected that option. He was even arrested by the Germans who released him after personal intervention of Benito Mussolini. Henceforth, he started his underground acti activity he created his own secret organization, which in 1943 was incorporated into the Polish Home Army. Piasecki personally uh, uh, was in command 
of one of the partisans' detachments in the forest of the far eastern borderlands of Poland. He struggled against both the Germans and the Soviet partisans, whom he regarded as equally dangerous as the, as the Wehrmacht. In June 1944, he participated in the Battle of Vilno, which was liberated together with, with the Red Army. But then the Soviets disarmed and arrested Polish allies. Piasecki himself avoided this fate and he got away near Warsaw, where in this time the Warsaw uprising was still lasting. As he cannot get into the fighting Polish capital, he started to create a new conspiracy against the Soviet occupier. But this activity was broken by his arresting by NK NKVD at night, 12th November 1944. It turned out that it was uh, not an accident, but in effect of betrayal of Richard Romanowski, Piasecki's former colleague from the pre-war times, and even his bodyguard in, in, the, in conspiracy. Nobody knows the reasons of this betrayal. He provided detailed statements about his own activity as well as activity of people from Piasecki's milieu. Romanowski was a man who had an access to the secrets of the conspiracy so he could provide the Soviets with detailed information which permitted them to work accurately out of Piasecki's illegal network. Uh, in the consequence of uh, only a few Piasecki's colleagues were not arrested. For Piasecki, the arresting seemed to be the end of everything. His biography and attitudes qualified him in the eyes of Soviets for either to be immediately executed or first for making him a spectacular trial and then executed. But he wasn't going to give up. We don't know much about his first weeks in prison. He was imprisoned in Lublin Castle, about 150 kilometers away from Warsaw, where he managed to draw attention of NK, NKVD General Ivan Sierow, the chief architect of the Soviet terror on the Polish territories. But before that happened, Piasecki had to create in the eyes of Soviets an absolute, absolutely new image of himself, apparently changing himself from a mere prisoner to someone who underwent a deep ideological evolution and was ready for political collaboration. We know the pro protocols of Piasecki's interrogations, but they are not complete. By the analysis of them, we can to some degree restore Piasecki's tactic during uh, his confrontation with the investigators. First of all, we can see that he behaved rationally and tried to keep control over the investigation. In this time, he has already known who was a perpetrator of his arresting. He got this information from one of his soldiers who observed a close relation 
between Romanovsky and the Soviet investigation officer. Thanks to this, Piasecki was able to evaluate what Romanovsky known about him and could select the information Soviets has already known about him, so he, 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 he could safely, uh, safely tell them the same things about uh, things and in this way demonstrate his readiness uh, to collaborate and to prove his own credibility. It was a classical, classical damage control. Uh, it is impossible to find a proof of Piasecki's collaboration with NKVD uh, in few pervert documents regarding to his person. Such papers were the top secret mater material and the Soviets would never give them up to the Polish cameras. It is possible that Piasecki signed a declaration of collaboration if it, would, if, it would, if it would be a price in the game for his life, he would probably have done it. For the Soviets, there was rather a formality, one from their methods of making people depend on them. It was just a procedure to make a base for a future work. We don't know Soviets' archives, so we cannot say if it was a Piasecki's case. Anyway, imprisoned, he would have been a little use to Soviets, especially taking into account that Piasecki attitude and his declared metamorphosis into a sympathizer of the regime and adherent of the alliance with the Soviet Union was showed to other prisoners as an excellent model. So as an imprisoned agent, he would be totally useless. But we should also take into consideration the different possibility. The Soviet services were able to act out of box, act outside the box. So even in 99% of cases, they pressed into signing a declaration of collaboration. Sometimes, if it would be useful for them, they were ready to break this procedure. There were no rules, so we have not any circumstantial evidence that Piasecki was involved in activity for the NKVD. In the opinion of some historians who analyzed the report of Piasecki's testimonies, he was to break down during the investigation, but they didn't show an example to confirm this thesis. It is true that Piasecki didn't try to conceal who he was, and yet during the first interrogations, he widely described himself and his involvement in the resistance, but at the beginning, he didn't give any details. He kept them secret until the forward questioning when he gave the names of some of his colleagues as well as some addresses and places of appointments. His testimonies seemed ample and often he pretended to be oblivious and tried not to give any information above what Romanowski had already given. Accidentally, 
Incident incidentally, he's delivering the real names of colleagues when they use the false nicknames could not harm them too much, especially that they were not their present names. Playing his game, playing his game, Piasecki couldn't say less than Romanowski because it would provide his insincerity. As a matter of fact, he didn't say anything above what he seemed as necessary. Pretending nervous breakdown, he could control the interrogation much better. Piasecki even, uh, Piasecki knew well who was, uh, how to behave as a prisoner. He was an, uh, he had an experience uh, with the Polish police in the 30s and the Germans. With his position as a person whose face was presented on the title pages of newspapers, Piasecki could not pretend that he was someone else and the Soviets made a mistake. It would be senseless. Uh, he also didn't want to test his own pain tolerance. However, he would like to involve the in, in investigators into a game to get some their confidence and make them interested interest uh, interest in his person it could allow him to move to a higher level of their relation with them we can risk a statement that if piasecki would not stop that game and refuse to testify or denied everything his situation would have been the same as the other prisoners he would have been forced to testify by beating and tortures. Deciding on playing a game, Piasecki had, a, had to make a good impression on NKVD officials. He chose a method of saying everything, what was necessary, and to pretend that his testimonies were true and detailed. The investigators were conscious that Piasecki as a leader of the entire organization could not know all logistic details or every person. Unless, of course, Romanowski has already said them about Piasecki's personal contact with someone. So they were able to set a trap for him to verificate his testimonies. And for sure, they did it. It was the most dangerous. Besides, Piasecki was very precious for NKVD. He was, uh, he was its political trophy. His value as a lead, leader of the deepest, the darkest Polish reaction was bigger than possible profits from the information he would give forced to do so by brutal methods. Even if this could unmask some people, Piasecki himself probably very quickly started to aware of his value and this forced Soviets to make a choice between the two options. They had to decide what was more profitable, either to put him on a short trial and then execute him, or to make this man who was ready for collaboration useful for them. So it was a matter of time 
that, inter that in the interrogation room, instead of mere investigator, would emerge someone more important. Before that, this mere investigator had to show his chief his own success in softening the prisoner. This would bring him a reward, the promotion to the higher degree of rank. Paradoxically, both sides desired a success of Piasecki's recrutation. It, was, it would not be uh, profitable for Piasecki him, him, himself, as well as for an investigator. They had the same goals. This made the prisoner position easier, but only the chief investigator, who at the time has not been yet introduced to Piasecki, was able to decide which variant of conduct toward the prisoner would be chosen. Approval for the second option would, would be a small Piasecki success, a little one at the time, because uh, a decision could be changed and his fate was still uncert uncertain. This, the Soviet official could lose interest in the prisoner and declare him useless. It was also possible that the head, headquarters would give the investigator a different command. An encounter with someone of higher rank opened a new stage of Piasecki's game of life. It was a beginning of, of a real game. Piasecki had to demonstrate all his skills as an actor because he needed to prove his credibility. If he would like to misinform Soviets, he could do it only if they were not able to verificate his statements. He could, for example, announce and, and interpret his own ideas in a specific way uh, in order to emphasize the common points with Marxism. So he did. A key to success was credibility and fa false sincerity. But Piasecki could not exaggerate and entrap himself into telling only that what investigator would like to hear. Total submission would not be regarded as a lack of sincerity. So a proper way of carrying on a conversation was very important. The investigator had to be really interested in testimonies of the prisoner. We also have to remember that the listener was very demanding and that such interrogations of prisoners were his everyday life. Piasecki had only one chance. Either the Soviet would be interested in him and would like to maintain their contact or everything would be lost. It was certain that there would be no, not a second chance and everything could find its final in a trial and then execution. In a prison, Piasecki made, met some important person of the Soviet terror machine. The most important of them was NKVD general Ivan Sierov under fake surname of Colonel Ivanov. He was one of the deputies of Lavrenti Beria and later the first chief of KGB. We don't know 
when he started to interest in Piasecki's case and how their first encounter looked. We know that it took place in the second half of November 1944. Initially, Piasecki had a negative impression of, of this first talk. I had an impression, he said later, that he played with me like with a toy. He drawn me into a conversation about philosophy and concepts of goodness and evil. Coming back to the, 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 the cell, I was sure that everything, that, that this is the end. But for Sierov, the result of the conversation had to be satisfactory. He named Piasecki a boy of genius. It meant that Piasecki ceased to be a mere prisoner and he started to be a person of a higher degree, someone who was regarded as a useful person toward to whom Soviets had, had political plans. It was exactly a role Piasecki aspired to. It was also a reason of uh, his attempt to make his offer profitable for Soviets and interesting for decision makers in Moscow. Besides talking with him, Soviets wanted to have his statement in writing to consult it with Moscow. They pursued to verification all the details and to make themselves sure he was sincere. Piasecki gave Sierov two elaborations. The first was titled How I Understand My Cooperation with the Polish Committee of National Liberation. And the second one, much longer, was a study of political situation and social moods in Poland. Both we know only from the transition from Russian language. In Piasecki elaborations, which were formal proposal of collaboration, be regarded as a proof of his betrayal and his agential activity, the author performed in them analysis of the Polish authorities' conduct. Authorities, we should really remember, funded by the Soviets on the occupied territory of Poland, because the Polish Committee of National Liberation was exactly this. Piasecki showed improper elements in its members' conduct, as well as possibilities of improvement in its political efficiency. He indicated the sources of Poles' aversion for the new authority, actually for the Soviet Union, but he didn't write it openly. And showing that that, that question uh, in a wider perspective. He also indicated about what the Poles were afraid, advised Soviets uh, and the committee to assure formally Polish society that Poland would not be the 17th Soviet Republic and Poles would not be sent to Gulag and Soviet economic system would not be introduced in Poland. He tried to convince them that decrease of repressions would bring also decreasing of anti-Soviet resistance and as, as a result decreasing a number of victims. He didn't mention that on the site of, of the of Polish independence underground, this number was 
incomparable higher than on the Soviet side. The decreasing of the number of Polish victims was Piasecki's priority aim. All advices in his elaboration were aimed on, on, at, at minimizing losses of Polish society. So can we really, really talk about Piasecki's betrayal, seeing that his abetting enemies to realize his postulates would, would be very good for the entire Polish society? The society weakened by five years devastating war and German and Soviet terror. Piasecki was fully aware fully aware of it, so he tried to counteract, in his opinion, harmful armed confrontation of underground soldiers with new regime and the Red Army. He was sure that such a struggle had no, no chance for success. In Piasecki's concept, even a small improvement of situation could extend sphere of freedom for freedom Poles were logging for. This also cannot be regarded as an act of cooperating traitorously with an enemy. The document was a masterpiece of using elements of ritual communist newspeak, which was a package for very actual and well-considered content with precise postulates uh, could serve the purpose of improvement circumstances of the society. In the Sierov opinion, however, Piasecki's elaboration was an evidence of his sincere will to ideological surrender of Wieden at the foot of the party, which meant he will, uh, his will to join pro-Soviet formation. Was it really that? It should have looked like this, and it was Piasecki's purpose. The game was going on. Meantime, Sierov, after, after he analyzed Piasecki's elaboration, what took him three weeks, can, uh, uh, then consulted, uh, con consulted with Moscow next steps in, in, the, in, in his case. In a note to headquarters dated on December 20, 1944, he sent Piasecki's biography as well as an account for circumstances of his arresting by NKVD. Two days later, he sent also both Piasecki's memorials. The writings were in Moscow decreed to Stalin and Molotov, but in opinion of the historian Nikita Pietrov, uh, there is no evidence if they had really, really received them. But what is important, the texts were approved by Beria, who suggested Sierov to continue his work. Beria was astounded by independence of Piasecki's thinking, as well as style of his writings. It had to be something extraordinary for him in regard to standards of Soviet prisons. It could be this what surprised Sierov so much earlier. Beria left Sierov a free hand in employment of Piasecki. In this way, the Soviet People's Commissar decided on saving Piasecki's life. According to the popular opinion, 
In November 1944, Piasecki agreed to involve himself into combating against the Catholic Church in Poland. But in the preserved documents, particularly in related to him correspondence with Beria, there is no word about it. So we do not have any proof that during the negotiations with him, such matter was taken into consideration. It is rather doubtful because Soviet's priority was uh, fast damage of Polish underground structures and Piasecki could be useful in this task. Stalin was obsessive, convinced out outstanding forces of the Polish home, home army and put a pressure on, on his Czechists for damage, damage it. In the first place, in this time Piasecki seemed too weak for thinking about using him against uh, the Polish church, even if we assume he would agree for this. The conversation between Piasecki and Sierow became legendary. Czesław Miłosz, the 1980 Nobel Prize winner, has used it in his novel, The Seizure of Power, written already after his escape from Poland to the West. Miłosz had met Piasecki before World War II and probably they also met after 1945. So the writer knew Piasecki's character and way of thinking. Miłosz was also a gossiper. And if something was interesting for, for him, he gathered information about it from many sources. In the novel, he showed a literary, literary version of Piasecki's interrogation by Sierow. This story is obviously an apocryph, but some fragments of it are amazingly concordant with this, what we know about, uh, about this investigation. For example, the description of a tactic Piasecki used toward the, investigation, toward the investigators is very accurate. This is a piece of the, of the, of the, of the novel. Piasecki decided to go the whole hog. He entrusted himself to his instinctive feel of the situation, which told him that the only means of defense was surprise. Was he a fascist? Yes, he was. Had he published papers? Yes, he had. He preferred to exaggerate the role he had played presenting a consciously demoniac picture of himself. That first test had been a clash of two different human, human atmospheres. He could not allow himself to be bullied and admit the superiority of the other man. The second interrogation was, he sought proof that he had won the first round. It looks like a text written on the base of the real protocols of Piasecki's first interrogations, to which Miłosz could not have any access. It's, it's a question where from the writer got information about Piasecki's interrogation, or rather 
who from in the secret police could be his source. In the novel, it is Sierov who proposes the agreement to Piasecki. Miłosz didn't show us Sierov's motives. Piasecki, of course, accepted the offer, but the rest of the literary version of their, con of the, of their conversation is hardly convincing. More significant is the fact that Piasecki agreed to legitimize the new system and was ready to persuade members of the underground to finish its fate. Uh, the same we know from now unmasked documents. In the novel, there is also no word about combating against the church. Miłosz truthfully presents Piasecki's ideological independence, which he preserved even as, an, as a prisoner. It seems that Piasecki made with Sierov some kind of contract, even if we know nothing about the subject of it, as well as of profits it could bring for the Soviets. Uh, the most likely it aimed at demobilization, demobilization members of the underground. Or maybe, indeed, the church was matter, but all the traces of this were removed. It is a mystery how far Piasecki himself would like to be loyal to Sierov. The aim of his entire game in prison was to regain freedom. The rest of, of this game was just a play. In the course of time, it changed into desire of being a person of a great political rele relevance in future communist Poland. So he signed a contract with Evil, not a pact. Uh, the investigation was suspended on April 10, 1945, by order of Sierov. Formally, Soviets declared that while Piasecki was a civil city, citizen, so he should be passed to the Polish secret police. It was just a present, pretense. The Soviet terror machine didn't pay attention to a status of, of its prisoners and killed civilians as well as soldiers. Piasecki was moved to a prison in the center of Warsaw. In this place, he wrote one more elaboration addressed to communist authorities. He declared himself as an adherent of social revolution and the opponent of Sanasia regime. He pointed out that he was a political prisoner before the war and then later he was also a prisoner of Gestapo. He didn't try to hide his adherence with Falanga, but underlined a progressive character of this movement and this leftist program. He also recalled joint action with the Red Army during the Battle of Vilno in 1944. In the second part of the documents, he stressed his ideological community with new government based on the idea of bloodless, blood, bloodless social revolution in Poland and social radicalism. 
he mentioned about his positive attitude toward the Jews and declared that he changed his hostile attitude to the Soviet Union. This change came from the need of heart when he realized himself that Russia wanted a powerful and sovereign Poland, of course. Polish interim government's thesis about close alliance with the Soviet Union is also my thesis, he declared. This elaboration was not as important as earlier too, because everything has been already established with Sierra. But he wrote it to show his will to collaborate as he understood it. In compare with the earlier writings, this one was less elaborated. Declaration that he changed his mind being in prison and, this, and that this change came from the need of his heart sounds even facetiously taking into consideration how brutally were tortured people with whom he shared a cell. We should also pay attention for a style of this, of this text. Piasecki criticized the others, but not himself. He didn't apologize for his earlier activity and views, avoided self-criticism, and uh, didn't show repentance. Although all of this was a standard in such type of documents. He asked what can be regarded as a polite form of writing, but he didn't humiliate himself. All the time he behaved with dignity. While in Warsaw prison, Piasecki had never met Sierow again. The general left Poland in May 1945 and moved to the occupied Germany. In his sensational private notes published a few years ago, there is no word about Piasecki, what seems strange and is a bad evidence for their authenticity. Around Piasecki's release from prison emerged as many legends uh, as around his staying there. According to some historians, he was released because Polish communists prompted the NK NKVD to liberate him. Others indicated a role of contemporary duty prime minister Władysław Gomułka. But as a matter of fact, uh, as after years related the other communist, Jakub Berman, the person who really decided of Piasecki's release was Sierow himself. He had made this decision already in the moment when the Soviets were passing Piasecki to, to, to the hands of Polish secret police. Then they waited only for the good moment. The officials in Warsaw regime, of Warsaw regime had nothing to say in the case of Piasecki. Finally, he left a prison on Monday, July 2nd, 1945. Piasecki's release revived his milieu, which started arrangement for publishing a weekly titled Today and Tomorrow. During the next years, political activity of this circle was developed on the base of this weekly. 
in election to a constituent assembly in 1947, generally rigged by the communist Piasecki's list won three seats in parliament. Henceforth, Piasecki cons consecutively strengthened his political position. His real or alleged re relation with the Soviets served him as a protective umbrella. Actually, even a mention about this relation was just enough. Gomuka mentioned that Piasecki never hide that he was recruited by Siyerov and often and willingly referred to this relationship, saying, for example, me, together with Siyerov, can do this or that. We can only rhetorically ask the question, what kind of an agent is someone everyone knows that he is an agent who being recruited informs about it everybody in his milieu such behavior is natural only for someone who bluffs or who wants to break collaboration piasecki played by the soviet card but we are not able to judge if either he bluffed or he told the truth we have to admit that in this way he increased his political strength because among communists, no one was courageous enough to verify this matter in Moscow. The risk of checking up Piasecki's authorization at the head headquarters without being sure that their own is strong enough was too high for any communist. Piasecki's role was not a role of classic Soviet agent or spy. He was not a person who merely accomplished uh, what Soviet ordered him to do. At least we know nothing about it. His task considered in political legitimization of the communist regime in the eyes of society. Piasecki, earlier regarded as one of political symbols of pre-war independent Poland allowed to incorporate himself in Polish post-Yalta system certified in that way alleged continuance of Polish statehood. It was important for communists in the first years after seizure of power, above all for internal propaganda use and for fight against the pro-independence underground. As we now know, that was a practical sense of Piasecki's agreement with Siyerov. And between 1945 and 1947, he fulfilled this task. His later history, world faces and all of his activities were a completely different matter and resulted from other agreements and other political situation in the country. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you. Thank you very much for your att attention. Thank you for listening to the Institute of World Politics podcast. To learn more about our graduate programs in national security, international affairs, and intelligence, or to support our work in educating future leaders, please visit www.iwp.edu.